0: today today, I want to answer a question that was right under uh, prayer, right just like one 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 vote off of prayer and family and so it's very very a question that a lot of people are asking that is, how do I become more disciplined oh. <laughs> I felt the moan from some of you just then. You're like, oh, really? That's the service I came to. We're doing how do I become more disciplined? How many of you need this right now? You need this. And some of you aren't raising your hand like, I don't need this. I got this. Some of y'all looked at your neighbor and said, you need this. I've been telling you, you need this. All right, so I'm going to just give you a, I'm going to preface it for you. And I'm going to help you out, okay? I'm going to start off talking about discipline and it's going to feel like an inspirational, motivational speech, okay? And then about halfway through, we're going to kick that four barrel in, okay? All right? We're going to another level of discipline, okay? So look at your neighbor and say, be ready. When we go there, just don't fuss about it, okay? Because we're going to go there. Paul talks about discipline uh, several times, but... One passage I want to just I want to grab real quick and read, mainly so you won't feel like this is a motivational speech at the beginning. You're like, it's a sermon. He read a text, okay? 1 Corinthians 9.25, Paul uses athletics or he uses athletes as an example for, for discipline. Paul does this a lot. He uses athletic several times throughout the Bible. I don't know why. Maybe he wasn't real athletic. Y'all, know, y'all ever notice people are really involved in athletes, sometimes ain't athletic at all, like y'all crazy about it, fussing about it? Like, bro, you couldn't even throw a football. Why are you fussing about how he threw it, okay? So just be quiet. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that was Paul's deal. Maybe, I don't know what it was, but he uses this a lot. 1 Corinthians 9.25, look at this. All athletes are disciplined. Everybody say Disciplined. In their training, that word discipline is also translated temperate. Uh, It's trans in all things. Like they they, they know how to just discipline themselves. In their training, they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Everybody say discipline. Discipline. A couple things that stand out here. First of all, their discipline has a desired outcome. So... Those of you that need discipline in your life, start there. Start by setting a goal of a desired outcome. Like, this is what I want to see, right? And some people just like, you try to get discipline, but it doesn't work. It doesn't last. And most of the time, because there was no desired outcome out there. You're not, you're not reaching for anything. You're just trying to be mean to yourself in the morning when you don't wake up, right? Or when you eat too much. Get a desired outcome. The scripture says, they do it for a prize There's something that they're reaching for. They want to they attain that. They want to see that. So while you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. To be disciplined, we must be future-focused. To be disciplined, we must be future-focused. And let me explain what that means. Your discipline, my discipline, can never be about right here, right now. It can't be right here. And here's the reason. Because right now, as I'm speaking to you, I want to eat. I'm telling you right now, I'm already planning where we're going when this service is over. And I was doing it at the 9 a.m. service too. And I don't want to just eat. I want to eat what I want because it's Sunday, all right? And this is a cheat day. And I'm just believing in not just a cheat day, but a cheat week. Can I get an amen from somebody? I may need you a cheat month. I need a month or a couple years of cheating. You can't be right here, right now, okay? It can't be this because right here, right now, I don't want to work out. I don't want to save money. At this moment, I want to buy what I want to buy, right? So it can't be present discipline because it doesn't last. Let me, help, let me take it another level. It also can't be focused to the past, and that's what we do a lot. We're in this moment, you want to do better, and you go back and go, man, I want to do better because of that, because of that mistake I made, because of what they said about me when they cut me from the team, because of how she broke up with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show her, show them. This is something we talk about a lot. When you focus your discipline to the past, you become a driven person. And driven people run over things, run through things. They Most of the time, they're doing it out of hurt and out of bitterness. Can I hear an uh-huh from somebody, right? That's what a driven person So If you ever hear somebody say, that's a driven man, be careful, all right? Because they'll drive right over you, okay, to get where they want. What I say we need to be is instead of past-focused, focus, future future-focused, and instead of being driven, we're being drawn. So there's something out there that I want to attain, that I want to see. I want to have a better relationship. I want to be out of debt, right? I want to move up in my career. I want to have an incredible marriage and, and a relationship. I, I want my kids to, you get what I'm talking about, right? So just apply that to your life. And so it makes living in the present a little easier because you're looking to the future for what you want to see. Discipline must be future focused. Discipline is this. It is deciding today what you want tomorrow. That's what discipline really is. And then when it happens, remembering that feeling for the future. Let me explain that. Kristen's so good at this. She's been so very good in in my life about this uh, because I'm hard on myself. I'm hard on my preaching. I'm hard on my leadership. I'm, I, I'm always critiquing. And I can we can better. What can we do? And then sometimes because of that, it just, you know, that just spirals out of control re- really, really quick. And, and then there'll be those moments that something will click and I'll go, man, yes. And she will say to me, remember that feeling. That feeling you just felt right there. Remember that feeling. Now I joke around here a lot that I don't like working out. I like eating, you know. I just don't like it. Well, it was a, it was about a month or so ago. I was on the phone with Evan. Evan is in college, and, and uh, Evan is very health conscious. and And uh, I was on the phone with him, and I said, "Man, I'm I I got to get in shape." He said, "Oh, you are." And I said, "What?" He said, "Oh, this summer you are getting in shape, <laughs> boy." And I said, oh, okay, buddy. He said, no, I'm telling you right now, when I come home, we're hitting the gym. We're going to get in shape. Y'all, we have been in the gym every single day since that boy got home, just wearing it out. So the other day, my favorite part of the workout, stop treadmill. I love to ride that thing back. You know what I'm saying? You better make sure you're on cool down, though, because you're about eight, and you hit that thing. Just put that thing down, roll back, plop, like that. I landed like this, and I stopped for a moment, and I remember that feeling. Oh, yeah, I like that feeling. I hated it before. Fussed all the way in, maybe a little cussing, all the way in, like (laughs) upset, angry. Now, good. And so what I did, remember that feeling. And then the next day, when I didn't want to work out again, I went back to that feeling. So look at your neighbor and say, remember that feeling. When you don't eat that thing that you want to eat, yeah? When you do that thing that you didn't want to do, how about this? I had a guy the other day tell me, he said, man, I had an opportunity to give towards somebody. I wanted to give, somebody needed something, I gave. And he goes, man, I had the greatest feeling in my life. And he said, I just felt, he said, I was kind of selfish. I just want to give again, you know. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. So remember that feeling. When you give and that wave of warmth comes over you, the next time you feel greedy, the next time you feel stingy, go back to that moment and go, how did that feel? When you and your wife are getting along, you know what I'm saying, and everything's going well, remember that feeling. When your kids are obeying you. Well, I want to get into that one. That was last week, I think. Discipline is deciding the future that you want and making choices today with tomorrow in mind. Deciding the future that you want and then making choices today with tomorrow in mind. This is your health. This is your wealth. This is your relationships. This is your career. This is everything. So a disciplined life is a life that is being lived for the future. Now I'm going to tell you, living for the future requires a lot of faith it requires faith because you have to believe that what you're doing is going to pay off or you have to believe that what you're not doing is going to pay off so i want to go to the faith chapter uh hebrews chapter 11 and i want to read this everybody doing good y'all all right hebrews 11 and 1 says this faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen It gives us the assurance about things that we cannot see. So to live a disciplined life, you're living for the future, which means you've got to have faith. Nobody wants to do something that not work out, right? So there is faith. I have faith that I'm going to have a six-pack. Come on, or at least a a two-liter or something. I have faith (laughs) that when I get there... I have faith that this relationship is going to blossom. I have faith. That's what it is. And then the writer begins to list all of these heroes of the faith. Now, I know school is almost over, but I want to give you some homework. If you've never read Hebrews 11, go home and read Hebrews 11. Because it lists all of these incredible heroes of the faith. People that we look at now and say, Man, they're incredible matriarchs and patriarchs. But Hebrews tells you what they had to walk through for us to put them on that pedestal. Hebrews says that by faith, Noah started building an ark when it had never rained. Now we look at Noah and go, man, you were brilliant and obedient. What an amazing, Noah is just in the middle of it, hauling timber and getting splinters, you know what I mean? And and people are like, what are you doing? Have you lost your mind? But by faith, Noah saw it, believed it, and was disciplined to do what God had called him to do. Abraham, Abraham, I want you to leave the land that you're used to and I want you just to start walking. Where am I going? You're going to know when you get there. That requires faith to leave everything. And every step was a disciplined step, but it was based on a faith in the future. And then the writer says, look, I love when the writers just get honest. He said, look, I don't even have time to write everything out. I'm going to tell you, I've run run out of time. My hand is cramping up. I can't write enough about all of the stories of the people, those that saw the dead raised, those that were cut in half, those that... He goes on and on and on and on. And then he takes you from chapter 11 of Hebrews and he morphs you right into Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 where it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race. Here we go, athletics again. Let us run with endurance the race that he is set before us. How do we do it? How many want to know how? The rest of y'all good? Y'all all right? How many want to know how? Here's how. We do this, see I told y'all, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion, Ah, I love that, another athletic reference. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy waiting on him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. I love this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the champion. He's already finished the race. Figure out how he did it and do it that way. How did he do it? just like we talked about, future-focused. For the joy that was waiting him, he was able to walk through the torment and the torture of the cross because he could look ahead. So I don't know what you're walking through, but this is how Jesus would tell you to walk through it. Get your mind set on where he's got you going. And don't worry so much about what's going on right here. Think about that and watch the discipline begin to happen where you are right there. The writer goes on to say, you know, if Jesus did this, you have not even shed your blood. What you, what do you, and, and you and I, we're worried about getting in shape. You know what I mean? Well, if it'll work for Jesus, it'll work for you right where you are with whatever you're walking through. So get future focused. And then watch the discipline begin to click right here, right where you are. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a good word. You needed that right then. How do I do it? How do I do it? I want to remind you about this. How do I run this race? You're going to need this on Thursday, okay? How do I run this race? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The most disciplined being to ever walk the earth. Fasted 40 days and 40 nights with no food and water. How many knows that takes some discipline? We get through half the day. I am famished. I'm getting faint. I'm about to pass out. And not only that, was tempted by the devil himself. Satan didn't even send a minion. Didn't send a demon. Like Beelzebub showed up in person. That takes some discipline, y'all. And this one probably even worse than all of those. When he was at his trial and being accused, kept his mouth shut. How many of y'all know that's maybe harder than facing the devil head on? Raise your hand. When you hear that. Oh, just quiet. It's going, mm. Y'all, I wasn't that wasn't Kristen right there. Okay, some of y'all are like, that's Kristen. Kristen, yang, yeah, yang, yeah, yang. Yeah. No, that's me in this relationship. Okay. I'm the yang yeah, yang yeah, yay. Yeah. Keep your mouth shut. That's it. So, when you go to work tomorrow and that person that's always just right here, just discipline right here, okay? That's what it takes. It's just, he's the most disciplined person. So, how did he do it? Now, we're getting ready. We're going to take discipline to the next level. Y'all ready? I told y'all it was coming. All right, here we go. About to take discipline to the next level. How do I get really disciplined in my life? Keep your eyes on Jesus, follow what he did which in turn makes you a disciple. Oh, wait. I got it now. Disciple and discipline, that go together. Yes. Yes. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ means that you have been disciplined in his way. You're walking like he walks. You're talking like he talks. You're living like he lives. So let's find out how he lives really fast. Luke chapter 2 says this, all right? We want to grow like Jesus. We want to mature like Jesus. Then let's look at how he grew and how he matured. Luke 2 and verse 49. Before we read it, let me set it up. Uh, Mary and Joseph and Jesus have gone to Jerusalem. They've gone there for the feast. There's a lot of stuff going on. And Mary and Joseph are now, they're heading back home. And, and they just, they, like Jesus, they thought Jesus was with his friends. You know, like, I'm going over here. Okay, go over there. We'll see you in a couple days, you know. And they're walking and all of a sudden they think, we can't, where's Jesus? They can't find him. Looking for him. Where, where did he go? He went up to his friends. Is Jesus with you? No. He said, well, I thought he was here. No, he's a preteen. Y'all have any preteen parents? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I tell the boys all the time. Details matter, boys, okay? I need to know where, when, all those kind of things, all right? They can't find him. They're trying to figure out where he is. So all of you parents that deal with teenager stuff, just remember, Mary and Joseph dealt with it too, okay? They got through it, all right? So where are you? So finally somebody says, well, the last place we were at was at the temple. Let's show back up. So they show back up to the temple And there's Jesus, and Mary is just upset. Where have you been? You gritted tooth, you know what I mean? We're doing Life 360. We couldn't find you anywhere. You were, find my iPhone? Nowhere. I can't find you anywhere. And Jesus says this in verse 49 He said, Why are you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? All right, let's go. You ready? So how do I live a life like Jesus lived? Number one, he had a love for the house of God. He had a love for the house of God. Matter of fact, in his ministry, it said it was his custom to go to the tabernacle. Shows up at the tabernacle. This is Jesus, y'all. If anybody, like, could skip church, he could, you know. I know what y'all are going to say, okay? I wrote it, all right? So, but didn't. Shows up. Shows back up. It was his custom to be in the house of God. That's where he was. So he loved the house of God. Look at this. Uh, what, what scripture we use a lot around here. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God planted. There's something about being planted and committed to the house of God. Hearing the word of God. We're talking about being disciplined, okay? Being a disciple. Hearing the word of God. Serving in the house of God. Giving to the house of God. And maybe more important than any of these is being around the people of God. Being around the people of God, other people that are trying to be discipled just like you, that are being disciplined just like you. Look at Psalms chapter one. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted. Along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. How many want that kind of life? You know how you get that kind of life? Hang out with good people. I don't know why my life is in shambles. Have you looked at your company you're keeping? I want a show of hands, especially from you grown-ups. How many of you, the worst choice you ever made in your life involves somebody else? Raise your hand. There was somebody else there, right? How many of you, the best choices you've ever made in your life was somebody else was there helping you? It's the way it is. Who you're around impacts what you do and what you become. The best place. Now, look, we ain't all perfect. Some of us are. Most of us. All of us are messed up. Are Okay. There are hypocrites sitting next door to you, right now, next to you. Hypocrites, people that are going to hurt you and disappoint you. But for the most part, we're all going toward the same goal, right? And some of you right now, I've been hurt by a church and I'm never going back. And yet, they get your order wrong at Starbucks and you show right back up the next day. Doctor doesn't get the diagnosis right. You don't quit going to them. But church, for some reason, I've been hurt by church. No, you ain't been hurt by church. You've been hurt by people. And people hurt you on your job and at your school. And can I get a amen? <laughs> right? Don't make that all about church. Jesus loved the house of God. Who are you hanging with? Who are you accountable to? Who is in your world that can look at you and say, that's a bad choice? Look at me. You don't just need friends that will fight for you when you're in trouble. You need friends that will fight you when you're getting in trouble. Mm -hmm. That wasn't even my notes, but that was good. (laughs) Let's write a book on that one, Ron. You see what I mean? How many know what I'm talking about? You need somebody that will look at you and say, this is dumb. You're dumb. Don't do this. All right, let me move on. Y'all didn't like that. Okay. (laughs) Verse 51. Remember, how did Jesus live? He loved the house of God. Secondly, and then, verse 51, then he went to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Jesus loved the house of God and Jesus was submitted. So where have you been? He goes, Mom, didn't you know I'd be right here? And then he leaves that moment. And instead of having an attitude like I told y'all, He was submitted to them. Let me ask you something. Who are you submitted to? Who in your world are you submitted to? Who is that person that can look at you and go, don't do that, and you will shut it down? If you don't have that person in your life, you better fight with everything you have to have that person, especially if you are not self-disciplined. You need someone in your world that will go, No, no, yes, yes. Why do you think personal trainers are so valuable right now? I can YouTube the exercise, okay? I don't need that. I need somebody like Evan's going to say, get up, let's go to the gym. Come on, let's make it happen. You need someone in your life like that, whether it's a spouse or a parent or or an employer or a pastor, we need a pastor. Let me just tell you right now, I am a pastor, but I have pastors in my life that look at me and say, no, 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 don't do that. That's a bad choice. Most of them, they don't have to tell me that because I'm already asking them. Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, what do you, I can't tell you the times that we hear people saying, hey, I'm going to go do something like this and pray for me. Like, wait, if you'd have told us before, we wouldn't have had to pray for you because it's a dumb idea, okay? <laughs> We'd have said, don't do that. We need people in our life that can look at us and say, don't do that, do that, all right? Matter of fact, Paul told Timothy, he said, when you preach, you need to correct, rebuke, and encourage. You need to be in a church. doesn't have to be this one, but you need to be in a church that you don't just have a church, and you don't just have a preacher, but you have a pastor. I'm going to say it again. You don't just need a church, you don't just need a preacher, you need a pastor. Maybe it ain't me, but find you one somewhere that when they're preaching the word of God, every once in a while you can go, ooh, ow, wow, ooh, that's smarted. But then you take it the next <laughs> you take it the next day and you walk it out. Discipline means being disciplined. How many of y'all have kids that are disciplined and yet you never disciplined them? No. Disciplined kids have been disciplined. They've had timeouts. Some them had little swats. I grew up when they had switches. You know what I'm saying? How many know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you had a belt or a switch laid upon you at some point. Greatest generation right there. Come on. <laughs> the worst was when my daddy would say, go pick your own switch, son. How many of you ever had that? Go pick your own switch. I'd come back one about that big with leaves all over it. Just get that drag. One time he made the mistake. He said, go pick a switch for your sister. Oh, yeah. Let's go. I found one, daddy. Huh? We all need to be Disciplined. And let me say something to you. It is not submission until you disagree. It's not. Okay, thank you. It is not <laughs> submission until you disagree. As long as you're good with all of it, that's not submission. That's like, hey, yeah, that's cool. Let's go. But as soon as somebody says, and you go, I don't, I don't know about that. Now, look, I'm not talking about anything outside the word of God. I'm not talking about harming you or being dumb, all right? I'm talking about people that have your best interests at heart. They they say something to you like, I don't like that. I disagree with that. Submission is, all right, coach. I don't like you saying that to me, but okay, coach, I got you. Okay, boss, all right. Look at this, Hebrews 12. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Nobody likes to be called into the office, ever. (laughs) Ever. John Werner, would you please come to the principal's office? Nobody likes that. Just all awkward. <laughs> or the boss with the two finger. Let's go. Come on. Come here. Nobody likes that at all. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest. There's that word again harvest planted, remember planted in the house of God, flourishing. Those that hang around with good people are planted by the river and they're, they're flourishing. Those that, that make it through the discipline, there is a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained this way. So submission equals abundance. The next verse, Luke two fifty two, And Jesus grew. Everybody say, Jesus grew. This is... The result of discipleship. This is the result of discipline. Brax in the fact that I see you working so hard at being a better basketball player when you're already a great basketball player. Well, then the growth happens out of that. Your shot gets better, you're able to finish stronger, right? You expect that kind of growth when you when you're moving towards something, right? But for some reason in our walk with God, we just feel like it's okay when we're just ranked sinners. And then we go, I give my heart to you, Lord. And we're saved now. And it's okay for us to live seven, 14 years just right there. You wouldn't let that happen to anything else in your world. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ means you grow. You grow. You know the word better. And the more you walk with him, you should get cleaner. You should get freer. Come on, y'all, right? You should get stronger. It shouldn't be having to go back and us prop you up. and No, it's growth. It's this thing. Is, as you move along, your mind is renewed. And as it's renewed, you're transformed. And you become more like Him as you walk along. Jesus grew. And the last one. Remember, we're studying the life of Jesus. I want to know how He did it. I want to live like Him. Luke 2 and 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, in favor with God, and in favor with man. In other words, Jesus matured in every area of his life, not just spiritually, but he also grew intellectually. He also grew in, in favor spiritually, in favor with God and socially and in favor with man. Have you ever met someone that's really, really disciplined in one area of their life? I mean, they're going to hit that gym all the time, you know, just wearing out, but they're just crazy in all the other areas. I have not met a really spiritual person that's like all spiritual, wide open, and they wouldn't know how to talk to anybody, right? That's not what he wants for you. He wants you to be mature and growing and flourishing and abundant in every area of your life. That's the life that Jesus wants for you. How many of you want to be like Jesus? Okay, hold up. Wait a minute. I thought we were kind of all followers here. Some of you aren't. We are believing you will be in just a moment. So let me give you another chance, okay? This is why we do what we do. How many of you want to be more like Jesus? There we go. Good. Absolutely. We do. We want to be like Him. Well, I want you to say this after me. And He wants me to be like Him too. And He doesn't just want to help me be like Him. Uh, He doesn't want, let me just start over. That was just awful. (laughs) Let me read it verbatim. Jesus wants us to be like him, but he doesn't just want us to be like him, he wants to help us be like him. I think sometimes we have this concept of Jesus that he's like way out in front, like just booking it, and we're like, I gotta catch him, I gotta get to him. And you get close to him, and he puts a juke on us, you know, like, like, almost, almost got me, didn't quite get me. No, it's not what he wants. How many ever felt that way and you walk with the Lord? Like, almost got him over there. No, he wants you to catch him. He even slows down a little bit. Come on. And he doesn't just just want us. He helps us. Look at this, John 14. I read a few more scriptures and we're done. Come play so they'll believe me. He's going to sit down and start playing these piano chords right here. And you're going to know that I'm closing, okay? Some of you some of folks have been here a while said, I have nothing to do with it. Yes, it does, I promise you. Look at this. He wants to help you become like Him. John 14 and 25. Those, these things, Jesus said, I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but I know you're going to forget, so I'm sending the Helper, the Holy Spirit, Whom the Father is going to send in my name and he's going to teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He doesn't just want to give you his word. He's going to send a helper to help you walk this thing out. The Holy Spirit in your life is there to assist and advocate and help and encourage. When you wake up in the morning, you're like, I don't feel like a child of God. That's when inside of you, he starts going, oh, yes, you are. Holy Spirit. Galatians 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Remember we talk about discipline. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature wants. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. How many feel that going on? You want to do good, you can't do good. But then watch what Paul says in verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and... Wait, what? Hold up. The Holy Spirit produces self-control? Oh, my goodness. I knew He brought love, and I knew He brought joy, but you're telling me that He produces self-control see I always thought that was on me anybody else like the love he's bringing the joy but the self-control you gotta dig that one out baby no the holy spirit produces self-control discipline is a fruit of the spirit you don't have to do it by yourself matter of fact self-discipline only gets you so far it gets you a prize that fades away But spirit discipline gets you a prize that is eternal, that never, ever, ever fades away. Self-discipline is good, but as for me, I'm choosing spirit discipline. I want that one. How do I do that? Keeping my eyes on Jesus. Last passage of Scripture. We're still in Galatians. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living in the Spirit living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. To be truly discipled, to be truly disciplined that leads to eternal life, you and I have to crucify our passions and desires to the cross today and tomorrow and the next day. So instead of getting up and saying, I'm going to do it, I'm going to go go to the gym, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to be nice to my wife. Instead of doing that, Wake up and say, okay, Lord, everything today that I wanted to do, I'm now nailing to the cross. And I'm going to look at you and I'm going to follow your pattern. Lead me and guide me. And I'm believing with all of my heart that this is one of those messages that six months down the road, we're going to have people come walking back in and go, man, I'm out of debt. People walking back in, our marriage was almost over, but man, it's better now. People walking in and go, I got a six pack, whatever it is for you, okay? (laughs) Don't do that one. But... I'm really believing that we're going to see fruit from this. Those of you that have walked in immaturity and you're still in bondage, that there's going to be something in you that's going to rise up and go, Jesus does not want me to live this kind of life. He wants to be living abundant. Come on, have me receive the word this morning. Today, you receive that? All right, I want to pray over you. Now look. This is where some of you start hopping up and running out. Look, it's just a few more minutes. Just stay with me, okay? This is important. This is why we do what we do right here, right now. I want you to close your eyes. Everything we do is about this moment right here. Right here, this moment.